0: Hi everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Savvy Millennial Podcast, a community dedicated to ambitious and successful millennials. And today with us, we have Andrew with Interfluence. His story is incredibly fascinating because he was able to bootstrap his Amazon private label business from $10,000 to seven figures in under three years. All that while keeping a full-time job during the first year of operations. This episode is going to be full of value. He's going to share his tips, secrets, and step-by-step process on how to find the perfect niche, the perfect profitable product, how to make it all work, how to market, sell, and grow your business. He'll share his fulfillment operators, the factories he's worked with, and so much more. So if you ever wanted to start your online business, figure out how the industry works, or start selling on Amazon and this is an episode for you. And with that, let's just jump right in. Super excited to have you on the podcast today, simply because I know your story and I'm sure you're gonna share it with us, with the listeners, how you went from corporate to starting your own thing, side hustling, and then making it a full-time business and now you're very much immersed into it. So can you tell us more about your background and everything else?
1: Yeah, sure. My degree is in uh, business management, marketing, and uh, right after university, I got into advertising. So I started working in advertising agency for about maybe two or three years, and then I slowly transitioned into product management role in tech startups, and while I was working in my, uh, my last company, I started Amazon business, which was quite an interesting uh, journey, so probably... I've been doing it for a year while I was uh, working full-time for my previous, at my previous job. And after a year, I quit my job and started doing Amazon full-time, which like, helped me like to accelerate the company much faster. And yeah, so that's basically what I've been doing in a, like, in a nutshell.
0: First of all, what attracted you to tech startups and tech companies and working for them? And then what propelled you starting an Amazon store.
1: Yeah. So I, at the beginning I really enjoyed advertising, but then I realized that advertising was like not changing a lot, especially, you know, in the traditional sphere. So I wanted to go a little bit more into tech where things are evolving like really fast. So I first like entered the uh, advertising tech startup where, you know, I could also still do like advertising, but in like a digital nature. And what happened is that I'm like, I'm very like entrepreneurial person by nature. And I always like wanted to start my own business. So one day i heard my friend was selling products on Amazon. So I started asking him a lot of questions about it and found it quite interesting. So I decided to try it myself and uh, uh, launch my own product. So while working as a product manager full-time, I launched an Amazon product and then it just became like very, very popular on Amazon.com in the United States. So I started making money right away. So it was like a very huge success and I kind of like the taste of it. I've been doing it for probably like, yeah, like a year while working full-time and it, you know, it was like scaling, but not scaling as fast as if I would just go with full-time in it. But the only thing like I really needed like a cash flow. So once I realized that, you know, I can secure some financing and like uh, grow my business like much faster. So I can launch more products. I can launch different brands. I can expand. So then I decided to dedicate it full-time and it was probably like the best decision I've ever made in my life. And yeah, so, so far I've been doing it full-time for a year and a half, something like that.
0: And that's actually very, very fast. If you think about it, I mean, in terms of success, because it's not like you had experience in Amazon before, right? You basically picked it up a year and a half ago.
1: Yeah, something like that. Well, obviously, like when I just started Amazon, I basically had to just watch different YouTube videos and like try to find like some resources to, to start. I also was asking a lot of, I was asking my friend a lot of questions about how he did it. So he helped me a lot with it. Uh, but yeah, it was a completely new thing to me. And, um, you know, my kind of skills from advertising and product management aligned with the skills you need in Amazon. And on top of it, like I'm I was like very entrepreneurial so together it you know created like a great environment for me to like start it and scale it really fast and the business was started with just ten thousand dollars and uh, in yeah basically like in less than three years and one being like you know working full-time uh, i was able to scale to a seven seven digit business you know seven figure business
0: that's incredible now in terms of picking your first product and figuring out your first steps, I mean, I know you asked your friend, you watch YouTube videos, what are the tips, the the things that everybody should do, the, the lessons that you learned the hard way?
1: Yeah, uh, I think my first recommendation would be to do a lot of market analysis. So what you need to do is to actually go to amazon.com and see, what is being sold, uh, how many reviews certain products have, like try to analyze the supply and demand, try to see if certain categories and niches are evolving by, you know, searching in Google Trends and using specific Amazon softwares, which will can help you, you know, to understand what's the demand for the product, uh, what's the like um, uh, approximate revenue and sales. So to me, you need to do probably a lot of work when you uh, launch your first product, maybe you spend like almost two months, like that's what I did. Like I spent two months just researching different markets, different products on Amazon before I made a decision. And I had a list of 10 products and they were equally good. They were completely different. Something was like in a home and kitchen. Something was in beauty. Something was even in automotive. So to me, it wasn't about the product. To me, it was what I can do in order to make a high ROI and high margin in Amazon. And then, yeah, like I ended up selecting a product, which at that time it had like a trend, like it was trending. Uh, the supply was like very small, and I realized that the product has a lot of problems by just going through the reviews. That the product is fragile, that the product uh, has like is squeaky, it's not working well. So I I solved that, I basically solved those problems, and I created a better of you know, like a marketing campaign around it, and that's why it was like very successful.
0: And the best part is you narrowed it down from ten to just one and i mean it is in which industry is the product in
1: yeah so my company uh, in Notka, so it operates in a beauty and wellness and we produce uh, beauty tools like facial massagers and like other like things for women and uh, the reason why i ended up choosing that product because i had like 10 of them I thought my skills from doing influencer marketing campaigns from my advertising days would help me to like really accelerate the growth of it and get like, you know, initial reviews, initial traction. So I thought that that product would actually kind of like match my like skills, my work skills. And like, I was right. So I was able to like get a lot of influencers to promote this product. And that helped like a lot, you know, like, you know, for the launch. So I got the traction right away. And I got on that first page, even like, I think it was like a top five products within like a week or two, which is like unreal for the first product. But also there's an element of lack, you know, like in, in business, you know, I think there's always an element of lack in business.
0: I don't I don't really believe in like I feel like it's being prepared. And, uh, you know, you really utilizing an opportunity. I think that's what you've done here. You you found a niche, you found a good trend, and then you just combined things together and made it work. And plus, you executed quite well. Are there any tools that you would recommend to someone who is starting out and thinking, hey, you know what, maybe I want to do e commerce. Maybe I want to do Amazon FBA. What are some of the tools?
1: Yeah, well, uh, first of all, you need to understand what are your long-term goals. Do you want to make a quick cash? Do you want to grow a big business? For example, I personally do Amazon private label products. It means that I create, like I take existing products, I improve them, and then I put my own brand, which is trademarked. And so I own the inventory and the business has value because it has the brand, has like brand equity, et cetera. So in the future, you can potentially sell it for 5x 6x your profit and which is great because you're not only making money like on a daily basis but you also have a potential for a big exit some people exit like 100 million dollars for their amazon businesses um, definitely not at that stage yet but hopefully in a couple of years there are also options like drop shipping uh, drop shipping is good too if you want to make a quick cash but in drop shipping, you don't really own the inventory, you don't own the brand, you just resell someone else's product. So you can make money, but then you cannot sell the business because it has no value. So, I mean, at the beginning I would recommend to understand like what's your like long-term objective and like how much time you have, how much you want to learn. And I, I don't recommend starting with like uh, buying, per- like purchasing a big Amazon course, which costs like $5,000. $5, I would recommend just by watching YouTube videos, like free YouTube videos. Uh, reading some articles listening to some podcasts trying to understand you know just the main concepts and then from there you can potentially take a course which will teach you more like advanced tactics
0: and I love how you bring up the fact that there's a lot of free information out there because that, that I'm a big supporter that, you know, anything that you want to know is Googleable and every entrepreneur who comes on the podcast, that's what they say. Being resourceful and doing it cheap and cheerful is probably what separates great entrepreneurs from the ones that don't really succeed. So I, I agree with you. A lot of free material out there. Now, in terms of the tools of evaluating products, did you use a certain software or did you just scan Amazon yourself?
1: Yeah, uh, there are quite a few softwares out there. My favorite one is Helium 10. And that software helps me to analyze like the pages of Amazon, see how many sales, how many reviews, if the search volume of keywords are increasing, how many search volumes are there. I think it's the best... Tool out there for like Amazon product research, and it also has like additional things for once you launch the product, it can help you to optimize, etc. But yeah, that's that's my favorite one. Favorite one, and another one there is like a viral launch, but viral launch doesn't have certain features. But yeah, I would I would highly recommend starting with a Helium ten, especially if you're a beginner.
0: Got it. So then, what about? I mean, you found a product, you found some factories but you don't really have any connections i mean you're starting from scratch how did you go about it did you send emails how did you know that the factories were good inventory walk us through the process
1: yeah so for example when when i find a product i set myself a goal that i need to make 150% roi and 30% margin on that product because that's healthy And it will help me to grow the business really fast and have this exponential growth. So what I would do, I would see, okay, if um, people are usually selling this product for X amount of dollars on the first page, I would go and see if I can source it for for the 30% as being cost of goods sold. So what I would do, I would go to Alibaba. And Alibaba is basically a website where you can connect with the Chinese factories. And then I would search for them almost like you know, they have their own listings, they have uh, even like a criteria, how many years they've been in the business, uh, they're all vetted by Alibaba, they have like, you know, how many sales they have a year. And then I would contact them and ask how much the product will cost to produce and uh, ask them how much, you know, let's say a packaging would be and like other aspects. And I would make sure that if I purchase a product from them, I make a healthy margin when I sell this product at that price, which is kind of dictated by the market.
0: Now, okay, so you found a factory, you negotiated the product, obviously, that's when the conversation happens about colors and style and size and adjustments. Now, what about delivery, packaging and fulfillment? Who does it and how does it work? For
1: packaging, I really recommend to go with the packaging which your supplier would offer because they would actually arrange it for you with a different factory and they already have it like, set it up in a good way so they can do it efficiently and you don't need to really worry about it. The only thing you need to do is to send them your art pile. You need to send them like the, how the box will look like and like what material it will be. So, And that's it. And after, let's say, the product is manufactured, you would find a freight forwarder who would take care of... Of Delivery, right? For example, we only sell in the United States. We don't sell in Canada. So what we would do, we would have the supplier to send the product to the freight forwarder and the freight forwarder would send the product directly to Amazon fulfillment centers. And then Amazon will take care of the fulfillment. So everything is automated. You don't see the product. Everything is happening on the background. You just click the buttons, you send the money, and then you're just making cash.
0: Which is amazing. Uh, in terms of the freight forwarders, is it something also that you ask the factory to arrange or connections, or you have to Google and find some of the wor- the ones that work?
1: Yeah, you can ask ask your factory, uh, but usually they have a higher price because the factory also takes the cut. So, if you are a beginner, you might ask your factory because it could be easier. But once you advance, you would find like you know freight forwarder with, which would fit your needs, and uh, there are like a plenty of. Uh, freight forwarders there are a lot of them the one which we are using is called forwarder one i highly recommend it because they have like amazing system where you can just you know fill out all the information click on the button and then they will pick up your goods and in in like 30 days or sometimes even three days if it's an uh, air shipment your products will already be selling in, in your
0: markets Thank you for sharing basically all the information, every single question that I have, because there's a lot of people who are listening and they always want to know how to start. But, you know, you're providing everything from how it works to, hey, this is who I use, which is amazing. Thank you. In terms of the process after the order is made, how do you manage the supply chain? Because obviously you have to make sure that the products are in Amazon fulfillment centers way in advance. Right, because it takes three weeks to ship them from China to US.
1: Yeah, it depends uh, what what method you use. Uh, air shipment. Like at some point, I remember I got a product from China to States in two days by air shipment because uh, I was running out of stock. It was very expensive. Uh, I paid a fortune, but it, it's worth it. But on average, yeah, usually people ship it by sea, and it takes thirty to forty days. Uh, right now, a little bit longer due to the pandemic. Uh, uh, however, it's really hard to predict the demand sometimes because there are like demand spikes and your product can get featured by a celebrity or, you know, someone will create a press release around it and then everyone will just like run into Amazon and buy this product. That happened to me before like many, many times when sometimes we would sell 300 products a day and then one day we'll sell like 2,000 products just because a celebrity mentioned it. For the beginner, we I would really recommend to use just Excel spreadsheet and just monitor your daily stock in your seller central account, your Amazon seller central account, which is used for all this like coordinations and selling on Amazon. And uh, once you, you know, you get more products, your demand increases, there are also like different uh, softwares, um, inventory management softwares, which we can, you can use. I wouldn't go with anything like super fancy because it could be like very pricey, but uh, I personally use a Software called Sellerboard, and it shows your inventory levels. It gives a recommendation if you need to restock. But at the same time, it's also showing you your like sales, your profit, your spend, uh, and all these like key performance indicators which you need to know on a daily basis.
0: Is there a rule where you know there should be a certain amount of product at the Amazon warehouses? at all times? Or is it a certain quantity that you usually try to order every month? How do you work through that?
1: There's a golden rule that you need to have 90 days of stock. But it really really depends on your product. Some products are longer to manufacture. For example, wood products would be longer to manufacture. And some products, which are plastic, they can be manufactured within a Within a week or two, so you need to take that into consideration. How long it takes your product to manufacture, how long it takes to inspect your product for defects, and then you can take it into consideration. And but yeah, like the golden rule is to have ninety days of stock. But if your product it takes two months to produce, it will be like one hundred and twenty days because you might get out of stock. And Amazon hates when you get out of stock, you lose your ranking because your, your goal in Amazon to be on the, on the page one, on the top. And when you're out of stock, you lose your sales velocity. So Amazon starts putting you like, you know, down the page and then the second page. And then, you know, you have to spend money on advertising in order to get back because organically you might not generate any sales.
0: What's your secret to getting on the first page or the first three pages? And how do you do it?
1: Yeah, there are actually a lot of different methods and there are a lot of gurus out there on YouTube, they'll teach you all these methods and some of them could be gray hat methods and black hat methods, which can actually put your Amazon account, Amazon can actually cancel your account if you do something like that. For example, if you drive traffic and you incentivize different reviews so you can get faster on page one, I 100% not recommending this because they're just terrible. It's not worth it. You can just lose your business. Amazon will cancel you. You will never get back. To me, it's honestly, it's super easy. And uh, you just run Amazon ads. And on top of it, what I also do, I do influencer marketing to, you know, get this initial traction, initial sales to show the Amazon that this is a good product. It generates sales. And then just organically, that product will move in from like page 1022 to the page one. And then you will go to like, you know, row 10, row 9, row 8, and then you will end up on row 1 one day if your product is good and you're doing everything good in terms of advertising.
0: What about pricing? How do you set up your price to end up in the first page?
1: Yeah, you really need to consider other sellers and what other products are sold for. If you're adding some value to your product, for example, if you're bundling with something else or you're making a two-pack product or something, you definitely consider it, but you always need to see what others are selling for. And at the beginning, I recommend starting with a lower price so you can get this initial sales and people, you know, like, like inexpensive product with a good quality. And once they realize that, uh, you will start moving to like up on the first page, and then you can actually start increasing your price once you're up there because people already trust your product, Amazon trusts your product, and here you can actually start making a higher margins and higher ROIs because you're on the top row on the first page and people trust you, people buy for you, you're making money. So it becomes like a win-win for everyone. It becomes win for Amazon because you're generating money for them. It becomes win for consumers because you're providing them with a great quality product. And then it's win for you because you, you're in business.
0: <laughs> I like that. Now, how do you approach influencers? I mean, are we talking about Instagram influencers, TikTok, YouTube? Hey, who who are those people? How do you decide who is going to be your influencer? And then what do you say to them?
1: For influencers, it will really depend on what kind of products you sell. For example, beauty and wellness. So for us, it's a little bit easier because there are a lot of influencers who are in beauty and wellness. And also influencers who are lifestyle can also fit in within the brand. So there'll be a good brand fit. Well, you can find them through different softwares there are like a lot of a lot of influencer marketing platforms out there uh, the one i'm using is called colobster i recently found them because they're also like a new tech startup they're actually based in vancouver and uh, they have like a really good pricing model where you don't pay subscription fees you go to their platform there's a marketplace there and then you search influencers by category by their channels by amount of followers by their engagement then you select the ones which you like and you approach them if they want to you know, buy your product and uh, potentially like, feature it in their social media channels. And most of the time, if you, you can just give them a free product and they'll feature you in their social media channels. And sometimes you need to pay them a little bit more if they have more engagement or more followers.
0: And it's called Clubster?
1: Clubster, Call yeah. C-O-L-L-A-B-S-T-R. Yeah, I think it's clubster.com.
0: Okay. Everybody should check it out. In terms of the strategy, do you go for the influencers that have hundreds of thousands followers, under 10,000, 10, 000, 10 000 to 50,000? What's what's the secret?
1: Again, it depends on your goal. Usually when I do new product launches, I go for many, many micro-influencers with up to 5,000 followers because i want a lot of people to try the product give me a feedback about it and i also want you know like them to promote it to their followers so it's great because they're not very expensive and i can have a lot of them get a lot of customer feedback and launch the product successfully so that's what i use for product launches and ideally you need to build kind of a brand ambassadorship program where you know let's say you'll have a thousand micro influencers who are always ready to Get your product reviewed. Give you a feedback. Those would be not just your influencers, but they will be your long-term customers. And there is another strategy you can use: very, very like, kind of like A-plus celebrities who are charging ten to fifty thousand dollars per Instagram story. But they then they can generate uh, from like thousand to ten thousand sales. So we can pay them ten thousand dollars, but they will generate. More sales than you actually, so you, then you paid, right? So it actually becomes an investment. You get a positive ROI on spending this money with that influencer.
0: I like that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Now, what about creating your own social media accounts? Do you invest a lot in your own social media presence on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Snapchat, or you focus on, mostly on influencers?
1: Yeah, we, we do it casually right now because we're a new brand. Uh, not a lot of people like aware of us. There is not like that many brand awareness in the united states right now people just trust us because they see us on amazon we have a lot of great five-star reviews like thousands of them actually none of our products have less than 4.5 star reviews because we produce like very good quality yeah we do our social media channels casually right now we just post when we have new products but we rely on social media influencers because people trust them and compared to us they don't have as much trust in us yet because we are not like well-known like you know png brand or unilever brand, so we rely on them to get the trust through them and then people will trust us and then when we will migrate them to our account so they'll have more followers through instagram influencers
0: and i absolutely love the strategy because i know a lot of brands who start and then there's this perceived notion and idea that you know you have to create tens of thousands of followers on your own accounts to make sure that your brand grows. And you basically proven that no, you can still make a lot of money, build a great brand and grow it through others and just have a very simple presence online, which I absolutely love. In terms of some of the things that you learned, some of the lessons, some of the pitfalls, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you would recommend to someone who is starting out and wants to be successful?
1: Yeah. You learn from your mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes, which costed me like thousands of dollars at the beginning. And it was like very painful because my startup budget was like very small.
0: What were those mistakes?
1: Yeah, some of the mistakes, because my first product was so successful, I didn't learn from any failures, right? Like it was just like pure success. I knew, and I felt like every other product I will launch, it will be the same. So I was like, oh my God, like I'll be so rich soon. (laughs) But I was like very mistaken. So the next product which I tried to launch, I didn't do a proper market research. I, like, I just jumped on it too fast, and I didn't really do, uh, do my, my own due diligence on that product, and it failed. Yeah, so uh, at that time, it was like at, the, at the beginnings, and I think the total loss for the product was like around 20000 American dollars. And it was, yeah, it was a little bit painful at that time because it was uh, right at the beginning. But yeah, I learned a lot from that product and I found what mistakes I made. And since then, I haven't failed any products because I learned from that and put all the lessons on the paper. And every time when I launch a new product, I always come back and see like, okay, what I've done right, the previous launch, product launch, what I've done bad in the previous product launch. And I always like compare and trying to improve.
0: With the product that failed, I mean, uh, feel free to share as much as you want. But interesting to know, are there any specific things that you completely miscalculated? Was like, was it the trend? Was it the factory? Was it the product itself? Was it the target market? Was it the price?
1: It was the product itself. It was in a clothing category. And it's just a bad idea to sell clothing on Amazon because Amazon takes care of your returns and people return clothing all the time. And what happened is that my margin was not good enough to cover the return expenses. My return rate was 25% compared to 1% from my first product. So it was like a huge difference. And what basically killed that product is people were returning it, exchanging it, and then product couldn't be used again if someone returns it. So it just became unprofitable. And um, what happened is that it would cost more money to sell this product on Amazon rather than just getting rid of it completely and just destroy the inventory. Uh, and that's what I did. Well, I didn't destroy the inventory. You can donate it. So I just donated it to a charity and you get some uh, tax breaks from it as well. And yeah, there was about, mm, I think like 6,000 units. I just had to uh, get rid of it. like Just take, create a removal order on Amazon website and send them to the charity.
0: That's amazing, but also good on you. And uh, I mean, that's that's a very cool thing that you got to do in terms of donating to the charity and contributing to someone else who could use it. Now, with your current product, or I guess with the product that scaled first, what happened with the returns there? Does Amazon ship you the product back? Do they resell it? Do they just charge you when something gets returned and then they resell it and keep the money? How does that process work?
1: Amazon takes care of everything. So... Customers would send the product back to Amazon and then Amazon will decide to either restock, put it back in stock or destroy it if it was, you know, in a bad condition. And they charge you for everything. They charge you for shipping it like for when customers are shipping it bad because customers don't pay anything since they have a prime account you need to take that into your profitability consideration when you do your financial analysis and anything between 1 to 3% is okay when you sell on amazon but when it goes like higher than 5% or even 10% you might consider you know either increasing your price to cover that cost or you just abandon that product and it's very hard to abandon the product it's because you get attached to it you put so much money you put a lot of time and you feel stressed you don't you think it will still win and i think this is the major pitfalls which a lot of amazon sales sellers do they would get attached to that product and they will think no it will work it will work it will work and then they'll lose more money more money more money and then they okay it's not working it's a great lesson to always kill your products fast. You see it's not working, kill it.
0: Love it. Launch fast, adjust and just count as a sunk cost and just move forward. Absolutely. Is there a golden rule on what kind of products you would recommend to start with for a newbie to make sure that you know there's no obvious mistakes like returns, like shipments, quality colors, all that stuff?
1: I would recommend starting with a lower price product, something between maybe 10 and $30 dollars
0: in cost or in price?
1: In price yeah because it's, it's a little bit hard to say in cost because it could be a big product or a small product so you need to take into consideration your fulfillment cost as well. So in price I would suggest yeah like something between 10 thirty dollars and it should be something not big you know something maybe like the size of a mobile phone, And something what is not electronic, something what is not clothing, something what, you know, you cannot eat, you cannot put on your skin, something what you don't need, like a lot of certifications because you might send a product to Amazon and then Amazon say, well, we have all the inventory, but you don't have the certification, so we can't sell your product. And then you just stuck with inventory and then what do you do? You donate it to charity and, you know, you just eat all the cost. So, yeah, I would recommend something like very simple, something what also uh produces very fast Uh, i wouldn't recommend anything with wood because wood takes a long time and also fluctuates in price very often something probably made of plastic or maybe like sustainable material as well Uh, those were would be like very easy products just to you know if you you're going to make a lot of mistakes so it's better to make mistakes with a lower price product and lose uh, less money at the beginning and then when you you know on your fifth on on your 10th product you will start getting into like more complicated categories because you already have this experience. You, you know what to expect. You can go into electronics, you can go to oversized products and in that way you will get competitive advantage since you're not competing with a new sellers anymore because new sellers will be selling all these like smaller products. And w- w- once you get all this experience, you'll sell big products and you will have less people to compete with.
0: Got it. And then in terms of your current line of products, so to speak, do you recommend building up your brand and then putting different products in that brand or setting up completely new brands, completely new companies for each product?
1: Ideally, you want to build brands. That's what Amazon wants you to do as well. You want to build brands, you want to create a line of products which you can cross sell, upsell, that would be the best. The only thing is, uh, when you sell on Amazon, it's not always like people don't make a decision based on the brand. They make a decision based on, you know, the value of the product and the price and sometimes, you know, like design, etc. cetera. So uh, we sell in beauty and wellness, but at some point we understood that we, there are no good products anymore in this industry with, you know, with not crazy amount of reviews where all the sellers are already dominating the market. There are no good products, which, you know, would sell like with a good margin and in this case when you realize that okay you really exhausted all the products within your brand and you have maybe a, at this point you, you should have probably like a 10 products at least within your brand because I think in any category you can find like at least 10 good products you can sell on Amazon if you can't find anything I would suggest going to different categories so right now I'm going to home and kitchen and I will be creating like some little small home appliances, uh, some things for the kitchen, and even for the bathroom as well. So it will be a completely brand new, it will be new brand, and it will have its own trademark, it will be completely different line of business. And one day, you know, when you also want to sell your business, because when you sell your Amazon business, you sell the assets, you don't sell the corporation, that's how it usually works. You can sell the brand which you've been working for five years, and then keep the one which you've been working for one year because it still has a lot of potential to grow and you can add more products. So this way you can just, you know, flipping the businesses, flipping the brands, and it's not very hard to create a new brand. You literally just can put together a logo in PowerPoint and register uh, a trademark, and that's where you start. That's easy, like that. People overthink when they think, I need to have a brand guidelines, I need to have that. Yes, you should have some idea of how it will look like, but I would rely on your designer to do that.
0: And then you put all of the brands that you have under the same corporation, like financially, how do you set it up? Or no, each brand has its own set of books.
1: That's actually a good question because people do it differently. You, you can create a new corporation, but then it becomes more expensive to do taxes every year. And there's a lot of maintenance. You would have to have two bookkeepers. It does create a lot of cost. The thing is, again, your Amazon business buyers, they will not buy your company. They'll buy your assets. They'll buy your listings, your products, and your trademark. So you can keep everything under the same corporation. I think when you're like you know, at the stage where you're still not that big to create a second corporation, I would uh, advise to keep it under the same corporation. The only thing you need to make sure that you are, have some system in place where you can calculate your uh, numbers and books uh, separately for each product. But you already should have it your brand and have it for your separate product within the brand. So it shouldn't be like that difficult.
0: That's awesome. So then I guess during COVID, was it a good year for e-commerce and Amazon and for you personally, was it a bad year? What were some of the challenges and issues that you got to deal with?
1: Yeah, during the COVID, it was amazing year for e-commerce for sure, for most of the categories, not for all, but for me, the sales were... I don't even remember, but they were like 300, 700% up during COVID, especially at the beginning when they started doing this stay-at-home order in the United States, and they started sending paychecks, you know, for I think their incentive bills, or what are they called? I don't remember.
0: Government support checks. (laughs) Yeah,
1: government support, yeah. So all these government support checks, which were like around like $1,000, and I think every American received it, they went to Amazon. (laughs) <laughs> people were just like shopping with us my amazon and at that time i obviously didn't expect that and i was had my regular uh, amount of inventory in the warehouses so what happened the demand, like the demand just increased so fast so i had to double triple my prices in order to prevent out of stock and people were still buying so at some point amazon started deactivating the products once you increase the price too high so I got into a situation like that. They said, okay, you're not allowed to increase this price anymore. It's actually like, it can become illegal at this point. And I mean, like, I, I didn't know about that, right? Because on Amazon, you can do whatever you want. It's just a marketplace. So it was amazing. Uh, I was in the right category. Beauty and wellness people stopped going to different spas, salons. So they started buying tools for home. And that's when we kind of like got this idea that we want to create like a self-care tools for, for home, right? So you can do it all yourself. So you can take care of yourself self-love, and it's all at home. You don't need to go anywhere. So that was definitely like a winning kind of uh, uh, advertising tactic at that time. Uh, But I know that a lot of sellers who were in uh, party supplies, they definitely were hit by the COVID. And fashion as well, I think, was a little bit hit by the COVID as well. They definitely had a lower price but in my opinion you know when something like this happens you need really to anticipate it and you need to see like kind of foresee what can happen because you already know that okay people might stay at home longer they don't need to buy party supplies and in this case you just try to phasing out your party supplies products and investing in the products which actually worked really well during COVID. And for example, like fitness equipment. Uh, at some point, we wanted to launch a lot of fitness equipment, but when we thought it would be like very temporary thing, because people will still go back to the gyms very soon. I think you can adjust really fast. And COVID, yeah, for me personally, it was amazing. It Like the margins were so high. ROI was very high as well. And uh, yeah, in terms of the business, it was a great time.
0: Well, it's a great opportunity for, you know, just like you did with your product that didn't work out, right? If you realize that something is not working and probably not a fit anymore, you, you got to kill it and you got to utilize the opportunity that's in front of you. So move fast and adjust. I like it. In terms of, uh, I guess, the next step in your business, the trends, the opportunities, I know you said that you're going into uh, small electronics for kitchen and products for bathroom. Is it a trend that you see or is it something That you think is going to work personally?
1: I don't think this is a trend right now we just think those are good uh, products which have a very steady demand and they will always be a good opportunity even if there is COVID there is no COVID. For us it was more okay like we need to get like some products which are like bought by people all the time and they're not driven by trends but in terms of the trends, we are thinking about doing like a skincare lines, you know, like serums, facial creams, oils, balms, something what is people will buy like over and over. So the customer lifetime value will definitely increase and we can keep them and we can upsell them very well uh, with the products which they like, obviously. And we want to make that skincare line very sustainable. We want to make all our packaging very sustainable. We want to make bottles very sustainable. And one of the ideas, we want to make box out of the mushroom. So this is basically a new product. You can find a supplier who would grow a mushroom in a specific kind of like a form or mold in the form of a box and then you put the the product in there. It doesn't look like a mushroom, it's more like a a carton, you know, but it's actually like used to be like a living organism and it's very sustainable. People, it obviously increases the cost, but I think a lot of people would prefer to buy something sustainable, even if they overpay, but in this case, they pay back in terms of, you know, having, you know, uh, everything green and sustainable. And yeah, that's basically the plan for the skincare line, just go very sustainable.
0: I would buy it. I would absolutely buy it. Product in a mushroom? Hell yeah.
1: Even at some point I had an idea what if I would open my own factory to grow these mushrooms because it's actually not that hard. But apparently the company which is doing it, they have a patent on it, on how to grow it. So you need to significantly change it. And they really perfected the formula. So the best way for now is to buy the packaging from them and then, you know, We'll see where it goes. But yeah, as long as we, we want to have all our skincare waste-free, because again, this is a product you buy over and over. And when you buy over and over, you accumulate all this like, you know, garbage from this products. And we, we don't want people you know, to feel bad about buying our product because they get all these bottles and they're getting, getting rid of it every month. We want them to feel good about it.
0: Absolutely. Totally makes sense. Now, is it going to be also on Amazon or are you going to do brand Shopify store and influencer campaigns? How will it work?
1: Yeah, so it will start on Amazon. For now, we we had ideas about expanding into direct-to-consumer, but we think it will be a very long-term investment, and we are currently focusing on a quick wins. And Amazon, you can get profitable within a couple of weeks, whether on Shopify, it will take you sometimes a year, right, because of... On Amazon, you have Amazon drives your customers and on Shopify, you have to find your own customers and spend a lot of money on advertising and make them trust your product. So for this uh, line, yeah, they, we wouldn't be doing a Shopify, but there are plans in the future to do a direct to consumer brand, but that that brand it needs to be first of all, a very strong product. It needs to have a very strong like, point of difference. It needs to be very different from the current market. It needs to solve a problem which is, you know, very painful and it occurs very often with people. We cannot do something like what we sell on Amazon. We cannot really sell them on Shopify because the margins will not be the same. So if, you know, a lot of people think, oh, I will launch Amazon store and then I will have Shopify and then, you know, Shopify is better because you don't need to, pay Amazon a referral fee, but you'll pay much more for advertising. It's totally two different strategies. If you go Amazon, just go Amazon at the beginning. And if you go Shopify, just go Shopify, but make sure that you have a very, very strong product. Otherwise, most likely it will fail. And yeah, don't consider doing both at the same time. Just have like an informational website where people can go after they buy your product on Amazon, they can go and, you know, just read maybe blog posts on your own website, but don't rely on for sales.
0: So on your website, if I go on it, I wouldn't be able to buy anything directly off of it. It'll just have links to Amazon store, right?
1: No, we actually, Shopify has a very good feature where it connects to Amazon and people can buy it. And then it sends a message to Amazon and Amazon will automatically fulfill it. So it actually connected to Amazon. So it's kind of like an extension of Amazon, but we don't generate sales. I would say we generate 0.5% of all total sales from Shopify. People do buy it sometimes, um, and I think those are mostly people who don't have Prime accounts, and they, you know, want to save on shipping uh, because we have we provide free shipping, but we eat the cost of it because we want people, you know, to buy from there and potentially have their email so that we can send them some you know interesting material on the products and just educate them. But Shopify and Amazon connects very well.
0: Got it. So still have the Shopify account if you're doing Amazon, but connect it to Amazon and then don't drive the sales towards Shopify mostly. In terms of motivation and things that inspire you and drive you because you're clearly a very driven person. Is it something from childhood? Is it the way you were raised? What's your secret?
1: I was always very entrepreneurial and I remember back in school I participated in all these business uh, plans, competitions, and won many of them as well. I, I really enjoyed doing it and uh, my first like business idea started coming to me like in like when I was like 16, 14. But I think just overall, I'm like, I like creating things and I like solving problems. And I really love doing what I'm doing right now. Even though I get tired sometimes because I put some extra hours, I put more pressure into it. But the thing is you can get tired by doing your favorite hobby if you're doing it nine hours a day, every day, like six days a week. Uh, You really need to have like a balance and what I mean by that, sometimes you might put a lot of work, but it's not moving you close to the goal. So you always need to zoom in, zoom out on what you're doing and understanding if what you're doing right now is the most valuable thing for your business. So at some point you can get into the things like, Oh, I need to uh, start creating a social media channel like Instagram. So I have it right. But would it help you to grow your sales? Probably not. Uh, not right away at least. So you need to understand that what's moving you closer to your objectives. And at the beginning, because when you're bootstrapping business with a very low resources, you really need to make sure that your core objective is to make profit. And it was my always my core objective, make profit. Once you make profit, then you it will open you doors to different financing options. Once the doors are open to different financing options, you can actually, you know, make your cash flow healthy and then you can potentially focus on other things, but still remember that you need to move close to your objective, which in Amazon it's profit.
0: Always focus on uh, mission-critical activities uh, that move the needle. I love it. I love that advice. Okay, any books, resources, uh, people, content, podcasts that you recommend that you listen to, consume, to stay up-to-date on trends, live in general?
1: The best resource are my friends. Well, probably because I'm very entrepreneurial, I kind of created the same circle around myself and a lot of my friends, are very successful entrepreneurs and you probably even like know them. They run very big companies in Toronto, like, you know, 400 people in, in different areas. And yeah, my friends are my best resource because I can always go to them. We can discuss different ideas, even though they're running different businesses, which are usually like tech startups. But it's a very similar principle. You still have customers, you provide value, you hire people. So that's my resource number one. But in terms of like the books, I like reading the books when I encounter certain problems. For example, right now I'm focusing a lot on hiring right people to do the right things for me. So I can move closer to my objective, which is profit. And um, uh, once I started doing this, I started reading a little bit more books on it. Like, you know, what can help me to hire A-type people. And uh, the book which I can recommend you is by Dan Sullivan. It's called Who Not How. I don't know if you ever heard about it or read it.
0: I listened to it, the snippets, I think it's on Blinklist, but I should probably pick up the, the full version.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very good book and I think it opened my eyes a lot. I almost made a very big mistake which you can make in a business uh, at my stage is to do everything yourself. And instead of focusing working on the business, you're working in the business. So in this way, you're not visionary. You're not really moving the business. So you need to find people who will help you to do certain things which you're doing on a daily basis. And those people will kind of excel in those areas and help you to do all these things which needs to be done on like weekly or daily or monthly basis, like inventory management, advertising, et cetera. So at some point when you are not bootstrapping, when you have like cash resources, when you're very like healthy business, you need to think about, okay, how I can put people to help me with this so I can do the most important thing is to work on the business and drive the vision of the company. Because if you're not driving the vision of the company, the company will not move anywhere. You're the only one who can drive the vision. You cannot hire for someone to drive the vision unless you find like a CEO who probably will ask you for $5 million a year as a salary. But yeah, you need to really see like the opportunity something what other peoples might not see.
0: Absolutely. So what's the secret to, I guess, gaining great friends who are entrepreneurial and awesome?
1: Uh, th- there's no secret. We, we grew up together.
0: Oh, well, that, that doesn't count. That's that's not a secret. <laughs> yeah. No, it just
1: I remember, you know, um, 10 years ago, like my circle was like very big. I had like a lot of people who knew me, who I knew. Uh, but then it started, you know, like a lot of people who were not fitting within your values, within your interests, they started eliminating and people who... Who actually you know think the same way as you are they have the same values that start staying in your life and yeah most of the people i remember they are from university times and we started our careers together like you know people were like an executives and then they started like their own businesses slowly you know i have like a person who runs like a programmatic advertising agency i have a person who's running like a podcast agency another person who's doing like AI automation for banks. And yeah, so we go to the cottages all the time. We spend, let's say, at least two or three days a month together by just like doing things, you know, even like going like on a trail in a park, you know, just doing hiking or something like that.
0: Okay, so what I'm hearing is you have pretty amazing friends, but also the way to get that circle is to really focus on the people who are similar in terms of values, ambitions, and go-getters. And you actually have to invest in those relationships, just like in anything else. It's, you got to invest. I like that. Okay, so I know that we've been on uh, for a while. And uh, every guest that we get on the show, we ask the following, a millennial is, a millennial should be, and a millennial is not. Are you ready? Yes, I am. A millennial is?
1: Someone who is going to make, things happen no matter what.
0: Absolutely, and millennial should be.
1: Empathetic, fast acting, and value driven.
0: Yeah, I agree. And millennial is not.
1: Is not who maintains the status quo.
0: Absolutely agree. Okay, so anything else you would like to, I mean, I have a lot more questions, but I know we're out of time and I'd rather invite you again once the new brands and new products are launching and then we can have another discussion on successes and pitfalls. But is there anything you'd like to share about yourself, about the business, anything we haven't discussed yet?
1: Maybe I want to share just one more thing. And it's actually a quote from a book, I think, by an author, which is like, his name is James Clear, uh, Atomic Habits. Um, uh, have you read that book?
0: I have not, but I'm very excited to to hear.
1: I actually have it in front of me. Let me just read it. Because I came across it maybe two weeks ago because I'm subscribed to his uh, like email list and he sends like very inspirational quote and I thought it was a very good one and it does help you in life a lot like this mentality and like the way you think about what he says here so let me read it the list of mistakes you can never recover from is very short but you likely realize your life will not be destroyed if your book doesn't sell or if a potential date turns you down or if your startup goes bust it's not a failed outcome that paralyzes us. It's the possibility of looking stupid, feeling humiliated, or dealing with embarrassment that prevents us from getting started at all. The first step to being courageous is being willing to look foolish. That's the quote I wanted to share, and I think there's a lot in this quote to think about. A lot of people struggle with these issues of not starting because they're just afraid of looking, you know, foolish or that people will think about something then, but I think the best way is to just you know start it and doing it and once you get rid of this idea that you don't care that if you look foolish and just do it then you might look actually foolish maybe first two times but nobody will care about it and then on the third time you will definitely improve and you will improve over and over and then you will achieve your goals.
0: Absolutely. I absolutely agree with that. I mean, a lot of people get bugged down on, you know, or the perfectionist syndrome where, you know, you don't start because you want everything to be perfect. You want to learn more, you want to do more research, and then it's paralysis analysis, and you actually don't ever get up the ground. You just got to start. Start scared. Start not ready. Start when you have no idea what's going to happen. Just start and you'll figure it out. Yeah,
1: I think it was a very interesting discussion.
0: It was amazing. Okay, let us know where to find you, where to find the brands, where to get in touch with you. Tell us everything.
1: (laughs) Well, we don't sell in Canada yet. Uh, We only sell in the United States and the products could be found by just going on amazon.com and making sure that you're, you set to American zip code if you are in the US and you can just search by the brand name, which is Inotka, I-N-O-T-K-A. And then it will give you different products which we sell. I'm also starting my, like a mentoring program where I will mentor maybe like up to five students a month and help them to start with the Amazon journey. And those could be people, you know, who are having their full-time jobs and they want to make some extra income. People who like want to actually leave their job and, you know, be, like work from the beach and, um, you know, live their kind of like entrepreneurial life where they are not, they don't need to go to the office on a daily basis. So I'm like willing to help people to start their Amazon journeys. And yeah, they can just uh, email me and yeah, we can start the conversation from there.
0: I love it. Okay, so, but you only take how many? Five, twenty, seventeen hundred? What's the What's the number?
1: Yeah, so this is like a pilot program right now. And the reason why I'm doing it because I'm automating my business. I'm hiring a lot of people so I can actually spend more time teaching people, you know, helping people. So we, I'm starting with five students a month right now. And, uh, it will actually help me to develop the bigger program and onboard like more students and even have like online courses. But right now it's just one on one mentoring, helping them like you know if they actually want to start their entrepreneurial journey in Amazon because obviously you can uh, fail, you know I was just like I personally think that I've done the right things, but I was also a little bit lucky because you know the market was good for me to me, but overall yeah, I'll help them to start the business, I'll help them to run the business, help with the product selection, help with like all the things, basically to help them to prevent making the same mistakes as I made. And uh, because at that time, I wish that someone, put, someone told me like some specific things about Amazon, which I need to avoid.
0: Okay, this is, this is amazing. And I'm excited for obviously every listener to email you. Where do they get in touch with you? Where do they send? The request?
1: Well, I guess I can provide you with the email and maybe you can include it in the bio. So I think that would be a, the, yeah, because when you just say, when you say your email, I think people will just start getting a bounce back because my last name is a little bit complicated to spell <laughs> and it has a lot of letters. So I'd prefer to maybe if you can include it in the, uh, in the description for the podcast and they can just, you know, uh, copy paste it into their Gmail.
0: Perfect. We're going to put it in the notes. And uh, if somebody wants to reach out, or I mean, everybody should reach out, and you'll be very selective. Yeah, you'll help them out to start their new life. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I cannot wait to have you again soon.
1: Thank you, Maria. Thank you.